Honest, open, and vulnerable may contain adult language and material that is not suitable for listeners under 18. This is a stream of consciousness podcast that delves into an eclectic mix of topics. Audience discretion is advised. And you are listening to episode 92 of Honest, Open, and Vulnerable. This is Matthew. And I'm Scarlett. And this is Ryan. I'm Ryan. Um, you can, we definitely encourage you uh, to participate and uh, to give, give us feedback and whatnot. Easy way to do that is post a comment on our website, hovpodcast.net. You can also find like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash honest dot open dot vulnerable. And you can find me on Instagram. That's at uh, Colonel underscore Tux. That's K-E-R-N-E-L underscore Tux. Uh, you can find me uh, us on Twitter at HOV Podcast. Uh, you can find my blog at inscarletstorm.wordpress.com. And you can find me on Instagram at the Fuchsia Lady. Uh, that's the Fuchsia, F-U-C-H-I-A, Lady, L-A-D-Y. And we can also be reached through our email address, which is hovpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 231 846 8420. And you can also find me on Instagram at Matthew Scribbles. And so the, uh, the, now we have a new month, so we have a new, uh, stu- studio name. And, um, we might be playing, playing with fi- fire by, uh, <laughs> by, by giving it this name, but, uh, tech- this, this month it's, uh, Technical Glitch Studio. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is real wood, right? As as far as I know, <laughs> well, it, it's much. It, well, it's more real wood than the than the stu- than the studio table. But <laughs> that is true because I doubt that there's any wood. It's it's all plastic and metal. But anyway, <laughs> so um, so I I didn't know if you had it, but um, how how's uh. The Matthew Scribbles have been going. So, unfortunately, last month was a bit of a down month. Uh, I only just before we went live. Well, does podcast really go live? I guess some no, sometimes no. they do, but well, this one doesn't. This one doesn't. Does it go so. dead? But you know, it, it, <laughs> we don't ever post it really live. But anyway, <laughs> right. So before before we stepped into the recording recording studio, uh, I was going through uh, my my offerings through March, and I realized that March was a bit of a down month uh, compared to uh, February, which was likewise a down month. So uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that my uh, my attention to uh, Matthew Scribbles is starting to decline. What that does mean is that there are some behind-the-scenes uh, developments that are taking place. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I may have some good news to share with everybody here in the coming weeks. So... Stay tuned for that if it does come to tr- uh, through to fruition. Another thing that I'm going to make an announcement right now, because if I do it now, I'll most likely start trying to hold myself to it. <laughs> but in in May, so at the start of May, May 1st, 
I will be doing a brand new series on Matthew Scribbles. Thanks to the latest updates to Instagram where you can publish multiple slides, I will begin debuting new serialized fiction at least once a week. So nice. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but given some of the projects that I have been trying to uh, launch over the course of the year so far, the much uh, uh, stopped and restarted and then held indefinitely bedtime stories, for example, uh, I want to at least uh, put it out there and say, all right, I made this public, so now I have to hold myself to my word and actually get on it. Much like the uh, National Love Writing Contest that I do every November, I want to start making a, uh, a more of a concerted effort to get my fiction into the world as well. And I believe that the uh, method of serialized fiction, which was very popular in the mid-20th century, for those of you who mm-hmm. may be familiar with some of the serialized film strips that uh, were part of the movie-going experience. Right. Uh that was a common storytelling device. And I think that is something that can be viable coming into this podcast uh, and digitized medium where we have to have everything on demand and we can binge watch, we can binge whatever. But there's also something to be said about the anticipation of a new chapter of exactly. a new series. Uh, look no further than the new Star Wars movies that are coming out where we are already looking forward to not just episode eight, but the other offshoots that have uh, been out like Rogue One, for example. Right. Or some of the other stuff that might be coming out in the future that we don't know exists just yet. There's always that level of excitement of having something new to look forward to. And if I were to have that model of stay tuned for the next chapter Mm -hmm. type of Mm -hmm. piece where an audience can say, all right, now I have something I know to tune into at this specific day on this specific whatever to say, all right, this is going to be the latest piece in the story. This is going to be the latest thing. This is what this character is going to do. This is what that's going to happen now. And I think that's something that would give any author or any artist a challenge to deliver new content, to deliver original content. On a deadline. On a deadline. And as as Ryan knows, <laughs> I, have, I have had... Many, many struggles with uh, working against deadlines, self-imposed or otherwise. Uh-huh. So I'm going to do my best to do right by my art- my artistic license and do right by my audience and just do my best to try and tell a story in serialized format. I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing story. It may just be a miniseries. It may be something that uh, I might tell one story one week and then I might start another story a couple of weeks later. So you can follow the lives of character A, B, and C one week, and then you'll tune into the character lives of one, two, and three another week just to start doing some different avenues because poetry is fun. It's been long part of a very personal uh, expression since I started this project almost a year ago. Oh, yeah. So there's a reason why I chose May as the launch point for that. Mm. It was totally on accident, but we'll go with it. (laughs) (laughs) I am totally not cutting that out. (laughs) (laughs) There's the truth, and there's the the truth. truth. (laughs) 
So, so some, so there's going to be some new stuff coming. Uh, hopefully that'll, uh, give my audience and everybody out there who likes my material, something different, a, a new side, uh, of what they can expect out of my work. It's not always going to be, uh, it's not always going to be poetry. It's not always going to be, uh, stuff that may be so emotionally laden. Sometimes I'd like to do some, some stuff that's fun. Uh, one of my pieces in the month of March actually came while I was online in a post office. So, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, and that was actually the genesis for me to start doing some more with wordplay. And that's something that I started doing through the little bits that I did in March and now starting in April where I'm trying to do a lot of different play on words. So that's kind of been my, my little uh, bone that I've kind of been uh, carrying around with me is just uh, having fun, just having some fun with words, doing some silly things with rhyme. Uh, my most recent piece, which published last night, was about uh, – wordplay on the word fool and foolish. So hmm. uh, I wanted to uh, just kind of have a little bit of fun, do something a little, just something a little different because uh, March was full of a lot of emotional milestones for me. And I'm glad that April is here so I can kind of put all that literally behind me in, uh -huh. in the past. So it, it's good to just kind of do something fun, do something a little bit silly, a little bit uh, more, uh, more in the vein of, I guess, uh, after you take your test in, in grade school and you get to go to recess. This yeah. Is, this is kind of like my recess before May starts and it's time for me to hit the books and start showing you guys some new stuff. So uh, keep your fingers crossed, knock on whatever passes for wood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there there will hopefully be some, some new stuff. And whether it's good or not remains to be uh, determined by the folks that consume the material. So that being said, I appreciate everybody's support and their encouragement in what I've done so far. A lot of I've had a lot of new audience followers, especially here in the last week. So thank you to all of my new followers. I am still not quite at 100 followers yet. So if any of you out there who are lurking <laughs> in the background who want to give me a follow, uh, that would be really awesome. So uh and even if you don't, then I appreciate you t you tuning in and uh, finding some value in my work. Absolutely. Great. So, Great. Thanks. And um, so, yeah, there's one um, one uh, new news story that I was act I was actually cu curious about how uh, what uh, Ma Matthew thought thought of it was um, the what the the I, well, I don't know if it's an ongoing saga, but. Um, <laughs> It's been uh, going on for a little well, bit. Well, I mean, I well, I don't know because I haven't been following it. <laughs> it's been and going on for that's a little bit. so, but yeah. um, it's between USA Hockey and the and, and the w women's program, and there's a, a pro protest where they they were gonna boy boycott uh, pl playing until they got uh, what was it fair uh, fair uh, for fair pay. And um, so I, I I did I look looked into it a little little bit and because uh, I I was curious what are the numbers, you know because that's re mm -hmm. that's really what um, what were what what it re really gets gets down to. So um, I'm kind of I'm just gonna kind of what they were saying they were saying. Um a living wage is what they were saying. They were mm -hmm. saying what they were what they were alleging was USAA was not uh, giving um, fair pay or fair treatment to the women's team 
as they were the men's team, such as when the, the two biggest complaints they were making were that when the men's team would play away, that all the uh, men's team got their own hotel rooms where the women's team um, had to double up. Um, so they were complaining about that. And then they were also complaining that they were not making, quote, a living wage, um, where they were making far less wages than the men's team. Those were the two allegations. Um, and they were saying that they were not being heard by USA Hockey. And um, USA Hockey was saying, you're full of crap. And they were not... They were not providing any numbers. So Matt knows a little more about this than I do. Um, actually, actually I, I did. I have pulled up an article that mm-hmm. kind of give, gives it, gives right. kind of wrap, wraps it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from click on Detroit mm-hmm. and, and there, there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces mm-hmm. to, to it. I mean, it's, it's not just like an hourly, wage it's no. like the, the it's all like you know the travel expenses etc cetera, right, etc cetera. Right. so um they actually in in this one article which i will link link to in the show notes um they it's to, it's towards the bottom where they just kind of at they added up all of the little pieces mm-hmm. into into one to one number for the olympic years it amounts to eight million dollars for non-Olympic years, it's five point seven, and um, not not knowing much about you know the about the fi- finances of the of of like this now th- this isn't for like a women's NHL type thing. This mm-hmm. is this is for the Olympics, international ho- hockey ice or inter- international ice hockey uh, championships and world and world mm-hmm. world cup the, these are these are for competitions in in, be, in between countries right. kind kind of thing so i don't i don't know much in terms of the fi- finances as far in as far as that's con- as far as that arena right. but to me i mean that's that that seems like a small number and that's for the league that's for i think that it's is it four teams is it is it four teams Okay, so let's be very careful about what we're talking about here. Uh, right, that's what I was right. pointing the, out. The right. the league, Scarlett, that you were referring to is the National Women's Hockey League. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily have any affiliation with okay. USA Hockey okay. or its development program. Right. I get a little confused. That's why I wanted to turn it over to you because you know right. a little more than I do. Because there are two separate issues. Because there's fair treatment... And then there's fair pay, and there's a difference. Um, but what USA is talking about is they're saying, "Hey, we're we're all for we're not mistreating our players." That's what they're saying. They're, that's what they're saying. Um, the USA players are saying, "Hey, you know, we want as much pay." as the men's players. Um, I, I'm a feminist. However, I think that sometimes the feminist movement actually 
does a disservice against women by demanding too much too soon. Um, we were talking before we got in the recording studio about it's kind of like a business. You have to look at it as a business proposition and take sex out of it that you, you have to kind of earn your dues and that takes time. You can't expect everything overnight and you can't stand, you can't expect everything to be handed to you. You kind of have to prove yourself and that takes time. And if you're just demanding, hey, just because I'm a woman, hand it to me, I think that does a disservice to women. And um, if all their, I don't see the numbers. I don't see them giving a number for their demands. Um, now that that's that actually was what they were demanding. Right now, <laughs> that was the numbers now, that I just gave you. Right, right. Now that is the first time I've seen any demands. Uh, because when you, uh, what's being portrayed in the media, as far as like on the news and that kind of thing, when you, uh, in interviews, all they're saying is a, li a fair living wage. Mm -hmm. They're not giving numbers. That's the first time I've seen anything in print media where they're actually giving the numbers. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so there's yeah. a difference. And I think that they're being villainized in the media as far as they're not giving numbers in interviews. Mm -hmm. They're not giving those numbers. They're just saying a fair living wage, quote unquote, and they're not giving those numbers. And if they would give those numbers, I think it would actually, it would go a long way to helping their cause. They're actually hurting themselves by not standing up and presenting the numbers. Now, granted, they at at the at the point of this recording, they have reached an agreement. Right, so. right, right. But that was before when we were talking earlier in the week. Right, they, they weren't. There was no place that they were giving the numbers. Yeah, and what they were basically saying is their their two big complaints was, hey, we have to double up when the men don't, and we're not being given a quote. Living wage. And let's be clear, you are referring to the they as the women's team. The women's team. Okay. The women's team. And that but they weren't giving the numbers. Now, they may be in the print media, but not in interviews. When they were actually being presented in the news uh that I could see. When this story was being presented um like um on the nightly news. Well, I, I think I, th I think part I think part of part of that is they they know that anytime they get they give an interview mm -hmm. that the con they're they're whoever whoever's interviewing them whichever news mm -hmm. thing quote unquote news thing is interviewing them they're just going to use use that for uh, for short for uh, sound clips. So that so well, that's why they're very care careful about you know let's make sh make sure that you know we we give a a good message out there that can survive you know this you know we miss context that process. I think so. we miss context oh yeah, in yeah. News, oh yeah in news media anyway absolutely um I hate the news I hate I can't I don't watch the news very often because it just I want to throw things at my television. <laughs> so um, I watch NPR because I think they're pretty reputable, but they're very careful about they re what they report on because of this very situation, because you do lose context. I think that you do lose, you know, if they don't go in depth, they can't, you know, right. they're limited too. So, you know, I just, um, so I found this very interesting 
just getting a very small piece of the puzzle. So you had more information than I did. So that's why I just wanted you to talk a little bit about it and I'll shut up now. <laughs> well, well, I, I don't know as much about this as you might be making it out that I do. So, uh, you know more than and, I do. Uh, that, 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 that's kind of why I think it's smart to approach this just simply from a business practice, mm -hmm. taking gender and gender politics and sex out of it. Uh, and we had discussed earlier before we we started recording that, and as you alluded to earlier, Scarlett, that we, uh, as any small startup business, cannot be cannot be so grandiose in its vision to say that I you know I'm this new new hotshot player, but I want to be treated like one of the heavy hitters that are in my in my field, whether it's some new startup tech company and trying to think it's something like Google or IBM or uh, you name it. But you have to, any, any business has to be able to stand on its own and prove itself to be viable. And for those who, who may be uh, hockey fans out there who are familiar with the most recent labor stoppages over the course of the last uh, mm -hmm. 10, 15 years. Uh, a lot of the big discussions, especially in lockout 13, was hockey-related revenue. What is revenue? What is defined as revenue? If you can prove as a, as a business that you can be seen as a revenue generator and that business model not only is successful, but it can build and it can thrive – then that's what builds you credibility. That's what builds mm -hmm. you leverage. And once you have that stability and you can then say, I can point to my track record and saying that I have accomplished all of these objectives, then you have much more of a solid leg to stand on at that point. And that's not to take any, anything away from the current situation where women's hockey has really started to come into its own recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Canada, USA women's has always been the gold standard when it comes to the premier women's hockey matchup. It, it has always yeah, been that way. Yeah. And and not to take anything away from the rest of the world. They're, they've, they've made some strides as well. But Canada, USA has always been the gold standard in, in, in hockey, whether it's been men or women. The the thing is that the with the men, they have been they had they've already built their infrastructure. They've had that in place for so long. It's it's been so, and I don't mean this in a pejorative manner. It's institutionalized. It's yeah. been that way for decades. Oh yeah, the women's program isn't there yet, and it's one thing to take this maneuver and say we're gonna pull ourselves out of the premier amateur w w uh, championship because that's what the that's what worlds are mm -hmm. it's not a professional league it's right. not a professional tournament you may have people who have been part of the uh, speaking specifically for the men you may have professional athletes playing in these tournaments they are young they're in their late teens they're in their early 20s right they don't play in the amateurs for a career unless they're playing in the Swedish league, the uh, European leagues, it doesn't matter, but that's, 
not necessarily seen as a professional means of a career, unless that's what you're doing in a, in the European in in Europe, Russia, you you name it. it. In the NHL, you don't have players who are in their mid to late twenties, early thirties that are playing in the World Championships. Not usually. It, it it really does not happen. And if there is an example out there, then I have not come across it at this stage. But for the women, because there hasn't been a comparable uh, counterpart to the NHL, right. the national the National Women's Hockey League is really in its infancy. It's only in its second year, and they they have four teams, but they're also running a they're also running a competition to the Professional Women's League in Canada. So you have two governing, you have two competing leagues uh, trying to fight for the same piece of market share. And yeah, yeah. When you already have a smaller, uh, a smaller scope on you compared to, compared to the NHL, for example, and you have two leagues trying to go for that same piece of revenue, it's essentially you're, you're cannibalizing the market share. Yeah. So. That's, that puts a strain on resources, and that puts a strain on a lot of other things. So, I'd say they, they combine into one league with, uh, with one, you know, the Canadian division, and then the American division. And then, you know, they each, each have their own playoffs, and whoever, you know, the two teams that end up out of both, then they play, play for the championship. And that you that know. would make a lot of sense. If they're uh, smart, that's what they'll end up doing. the 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 other half of it is because can, because hockey is Canada's birthright. Oh yeah. The, the the national team in Canada, I'm sure, has absolutely no problem in terms of funding. Oh, I oh t- yeah. Of course, I agree with, with that. With the U.S. side, it's going to be dramatically different. So, as a, a player. What options do you have? Do you smile and nod and lace up your skates and go out there and do what you've always done? Or do you look to maybe seeking an alternate method of making your point as these women tend, as these women did? They've reached their settlement, which is fine. They just looking at some of the numbers that I've, I've come across online. uh, They will definitely be well compensated for, for their uh, their time and effort that they're putting into their game and and their skills, so uh, I can't say that I necessarily agree with the method. I certainly think that it was a smart a smart move on the part of USA Hockey to start essentially give the women's program that shot in the arm to help accelerate their development. Looking at it in terms of long term, we could be so caught in the short term of well, well, they went on strike before the World Junior right. Championships and and the World Championships and all. Excuse me. So we can focus on that. But if you pull back the microscope and say they just got a huge boost over the course of the next four years from mm-hmm. USA Hockey that may not have existed otherwise had they not done this, then we can say well, long term, this is going to be great for the development. And sustainability for USA Hockey, not just for the players now, but for the players who are going to be coming into the system. So it's 
not just for these women now, but also for the women that will be a part of the system in the future. Well, and when you look at it, um, okay, my thought just went, ooh, okay. Uh, the other thing that you can look at it in terms of um, just the numbers, um, you can also look at it in terms of, uh, I really do not know what I was going to say. You can bleep that out. I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. One of the points that was brought up in, in one of the articles that I shared with you two before we went to podcast was a, an article from the Washington Post. And one of the mentions that they had was that the men's team is con- is comprised of professional players. And that was something I think I briefly alluded to earlier on. And the majority of – and that's the majority of the men. There may not necessarily be that – case for the women, even with mm-hmm. the, the fledgling yeah. NWHL or the, the professional league in, in, um, in Hockey Canada. So a lot of them don't have other options, right? This, this could be, this could be it for them. And for a lot of them, that it, that is the case. Well, and I figured out what I was going to say, What I, uh, the, I'm glad that they came to some sort of a resolution because it would be a real shame for them to give up their shot at the championships completely. Right. Uh, just to make a point. So I'm glad that they did come to that resolution because it may be their only shot that they, you know, that they can Depending on their situation, yeah. Just to sort of make a point. I'm glad that they, they felt like they needed to do that. And I'm glad that they had a happy resolution, I guess, that they didn't have to give up their whole championship. Sure. One thing that... I guess we can consider now is what happens in four years? What happens after this contract is over? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because now the precedent's already been set. Do in four years, these women, after they've had this uh, deal expire, what do they do at that point? Because then we're going to find ourselves, or they're going to find themselves rather, in a similar situation where they played this card and... As it is in business, when you play hardball, sometimes the yeah. pendulum can swing back pretty hard. Well, like I said, I yeah. think that it's sometimes it does you a disservice and it comes and bites you in the ass. And we're just gonna see what happens. Well, there's one there's one Playing thing it that, too soon, <clears throat> you know? Yeah, there's well, there's one thing that we don't know, and that's how many meetings did they have you know, how many private meetings did they have for how long in which dur- during which they actually have you know have the revenue numbers that they're that the women's program is bringing into USA hockey say and you know pound pound pounding the desk saying hey these are the numbers that we're bringing in we're you know we do know where's it was our, over. yeah where's our, where's our we don't know how long that took right. took place we do know that it t- t- it took 15 months that that they'd been they'd been doing this for 15 months we don't know what the numbers were over that time. Right, though. right. They, I mean, yeah. they haven't been, you know, no, no public. U, USA yeah. hockey isn't isn't uh, t- hasn't been op- open about that. So, um, even though they're a nonprofit, and but um, yeah, not gonna get into that. <laughs> but, yeah, my uh, my uh, my friend Amy, she she does uh, she works for USAA, and I'm just. I'm so tempted to call her. What the hell? Do you know anything about this? But she, she works for USA Hockey. She works for USAA. She works for on the um, the Olympic team. 
She works for the Olympics. The USOC. Oh, the, yeah, she works for that part of it. And I'm sure she's got information. Not in her part. She actually deals with the Olympics. She, mm-hmm. she works with the Olympic Committee. She actually... Okay. Um, like when... Uh, she's gone a couple of times to actually deal with the athletes themselves. Um, she's actually... Uh, she was going to go to Rio, and she actually turned down that opportunity because um, she had um, her son. She was going to oh. have to leave her son. Her son is uh, 16 now, but he was like 14 at the time. And she's like, I don't want to leave my son with my parents when, yeah. you know, I don't want to leave him for that long. Um, although he's pretty autonomous. She could have done it. But she's like, you know, but my son said that he's only going to be 14 once. And I don't want to do that to him. And she's a single parent. So she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And um, she asked him, what do you want? And she says, and he, he told her, I really want you to stay. And she said, okay, done. And I got to, I got to hand it to her for, you know, making that decision, choosing her son over yeah. the chance to go to Rio. But uh, she did go to, I think she, um, she also turned down the opportunity to go to China. She had that, that opportunity for the same reason. She was like, I got to leave my son and yeah. I can't do that. That's so, tough. Um, but, uh, there've been a couple of times, but she does, uh, the, um, accounts receivable. So she actually okay. deals with all the sponsorships and all of that. But that's with USA, USOC. Right. That's right. a totally, that's a totally but different. She knows, she yeah. knows things. That's a totally knows, different. Well, well, yeah, she knows like mm-hmm. about as far as like the overall process. Oh yeah, but she doesn't deal but, with, yeah. but as far, as far as yeah. USA hockey's, oh, yeah. uh, situation, deal. she probably knows probably she about knows as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. She might know a little more, but I don't. She probably doesn't know details. But now, now as far as process and ter- in terms of what money comes from and go and goes from where, right. yeah, I mean, in in general, it's specifically with the Olympics. But again, you know, each... it's just it's 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 interesting how all of that kind of works. It's mm-hmm. just it's interesting. But anyway, that it's just it's it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in another four years. Yeah. And yeah. four years is going to be very interesting timing because the speaking specifically in terms of contracts and mm-hmm. contract expiration, uh, because the, on the men's side, there's also going to be, there's still a debate as to whether the men are going to go to uh, South Korea for next year's Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Huh. And that hasn't been resolved yet. That I, I actually just heard last night on uh, Hockey Night in Canada that one of the uh, one of the uh, NHL insiders expects there to be an announcement coming up within the next uh, ten days regarding the NHL's participation in that. But going further down the road, if USA Hockey's contract with the women expires in four years, which puts us around early twenty twenty one, yeah, uh, we could find ourselves with a labor stoppage in the NHL at that point because their collective bargaining agree- agreement expires in twenty twenty. And huh. then they go to the and the Winter Olympics are going to be in China. They're going to be in Beijing in 2020. So we could find ourselves with a, a three-headed monster. Oh yeah, coming up with the women and the men on the professional and the Olympic side of things, and it would be very, very damaging to USA hockey. Plus a PR oh, no. nightmare for oh, both. Oh no, kidding! Oh wow, the USOC, yeah, USA hockey, and the NHL if they were to allow all of these agreements to lapse. At the same time. Oh, I know that. Oh, 
I can't I I cannot imagine how how but I mean the like the directors of each respective of each respective uh, organization must be pulling their pulling whatever hair they have out left. <laughs> right, which and which is why uh, the the NHL's announcement for uh, South Korea is going to be so pivotal. If they say we're not going uh, in in twenty eighteen. And their their collective bargaining agreement expires in 2020, which will still be during the 2019-2020 season. Mm-hmm. So that they'll still have a chance for the players to go. But if they set the president saying, in 18, we're, we're going to stop going. That's not going to do your labor, your labor relations oh, no. a bit of good. Oh, no. Coming into that final season of the CBA and then potentially what will happen with the lockout. Let's not forget... The World Cup of Hockey <laughs> just started up again last September. Yeah, and that's what the NHL, you know, wanted to do as their uh, not necessarily the replacement for the Olympic Games, but definitely as a showcase of of, of good uh, global talent. Mm-hmm. How will that be derailed with a, another possible work stoppage? Right. Does it still go because it happened right before lockout of four oh five? We don't know. Yeah, There's a lot of yeah. there are a lot of moving pieces here, so I wish all of the parties all the best in <laughs> yeah, figuring no this kidding. out. Because I, <laughs> oh. I, if I had an answer, then Bill Daly, Gary Batman, uh, Danny Ryland, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's going to be very fascinating to see. I I wish uh, I wish the women's team all the best with their um, with, with their. Uh, this new deal they have in place, I really hope it helps uh, develop the uh, players of tomorrow and make the players of today better. And good luck in in the upcoming worlds. And then, uh, so yeah, I think we've talked talked that one to death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and then, uh, Scarlett, you uh, men- mentioned uh, uh, some about with cosmetologists and. Uh, and uh, abuse training yeah um i was watching i, I watch one pro- when when i'm over when i'm when i'm with peter peter has to watch the news he just he's like obsessive with it i swear he has like ocd or something so um i've gotten where i'll sit in the same room with him but i don't necessarily watch the news and there's a program called um next it's just this like it's like a it's like a I can't even describe it. But I think like, it's like a news slash commentary kind yeah. of hybrid. Yeah, and it's like a, it's like it's got a lot of different things on it, and it has um, so it's kind of it's tolerable, and they'll have like um, uh, human interest stories, shall we say, but there was a there's a uh, there's a law passed. Um, I believe it was in Illinois. They're trying to do it in Colorado now, but they just did it in Illinois. Um, where they require cosmetologists, which are hairdressers, okay, uh, training one hour training class um, in order to get their license or to renew their license um, to spot the um, signs of domestic violence. Um, which, um, but they don't have to report. They're not required to report if somebody does confide in them that they are victims of domestic violence. They just have to kind of notice because if you don't, okay, especially women, um, will confide in their hairdresser. 
Okay. So, um, that's something that, um, they just want to be able to kind of train hairdressers to kind of spot the signs and then kind of be able to encourage them, encourage their clients, um, if they've been abused or they're being abused, uh, to get out of that situation. Um, so now on the surface, that sounds great. But what if you are a hairdresser who's been the victim of domestic violence Mm -hmm. and by you attending that one hour class, you're basically triggering PTSD. Um, So my suggestion is that it's a great idea, but why don't you make it a option? An opt-in. An opt-in thing. Uh, so that, because some people don't need to know the signs, they don't need to learn the signs, (laughs) they've lived lived the signs. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, I think you and I talked, Ryan, uh, earlier in the week, people, a food service, bartenders, um, ministers, um, anybody like that who deal with the public, uh, could take this class, um, have that, be armed with that information and then have uh, maybe have some resources available that they could give the client. Hey, here's some place that you can call where you can get professional assistance mm-hmm. um, from people who are way more qualified than I am. Now, the good thing is, is that hairdresser is not required to report the abuse. It's not like a teacher who suspects abuse. They don't have to report that um, because they don't want to put the hairdresser in harm's way. They don't want to do that. Uh, But they do want them to kind of be armed with a little bit of information. I think it's a great idea. It's just, it shouldn't be a requirement. And and, uh, they are trying to make it, they're trying to pass the law in Colorado. And some people are fighting back saying no. Um, don't make me relive my abuse. And um, so that's kind of my opinion. I think I think they should set it up to where, you know, take whatever certification licensing process you have now and just call it, you know, license slash certification name. And then if you do the if you put in the extra hour and you and you go go to go to that 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 training then it's license slash certification name plus and that and by ha- by having that you you know that that you can no, ne- like negotiate a high a higher uh, a higher pay pay raise or something or something so something similar similar to that to where they don't have to go through it in order to maintain their their livelihood. their livelihood mm-hmm. but i mean if they if they want to they you know the options there they can incentivize it right they can give you you know um you get extra it it, it counts like a college credit one college credit towards something um, you know, it, I think that they could do it in such a way that it's beneficial. I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think it should be required. Let me take a little bit of a, a different position on it. Um, just dealing in terms of the realm of hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. If we're asking 
as part of this license renewal process for these cosmetologists to uh, take this class. And the defense is don't make me relive the experiences I've had. How would that be any different for them to, to quote unquote, re, re-experience that in a class versus re-experiencing those exact same things if they're having this conversation with one of their clients? That's a good point too. Yeah. Or let them take the class and then require them to report. Make it where they have to report. Hey, I can and make them be able to report it even anonymously. Hey, I'm not going to name my client, but hey, I have a client who's being abused. Help me out here. How can I help this client? Yeah. And be required by law to report that abuse, not necessarily by name, but say, hey, I have a client who's being abused. How can I help her? Give me the resources to help this client. Make it something like that. I'd I'd be all behind it. I think we're we're treading into very uh, murky waters with that because there are a lot of privacy concerns, Mm -hmm. which is why, uh, especially when it comes to something that can Mm be as nuanced as... A domestic violence situation. Yeah, then, then you're looking at potentially hip HIPAA stuff going on mm-hmm. too, because you're talking. I mean, you're you're talking about someone's health information, right? Essentially. <laughs> well, and the so, reason why they don't want to require them to re- to report is because they don't want the, the liability that yeah. abuser to come after them. I get that. Well, that too. Yeah. But it's kind of like I understand the the reasoning behind it. But it's just kind of, you're in a position where people are going to confide in you. Shouldn't you be prepared to hear some of that? Shouldn't you be prepared to give advice? Shouldn't you be prepared? You're in, you're in a position where by, by the nature of the business, you're going to hear shit. Shouldn't you be yeah. armed to be able to handle it? But what does that, how far does that go? Right. And a one hour class, I don't think is going to kill you. Interesting choice of terms, but (laughs) I mean, it's going to protect you. It's going to, it's going to arm you with, um, how do you protect yourself against some of the things that you're going to hear? Right. But that also disarms the argument of, don't make me relive my experiences, Mm -hmm. but you're going to relive them. And so I think that I, 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 I'm all for the class. I'm all for it. I have PTSD. If I were in that position, I would take all the help I can get. If I'm going to hear somebody, if I'm going to hear somebody tell me something, I want to be able to help them by saying, Hey, I've been where you're at. Here's how I dealt with it. But I need to be able to talk about it. So you know what? I'm going to be in a classroom setting where it's a safe environment, and I'm going to be able to share my story. Well, and I would also hope that the the class is being facilitated by someone that would be able to help these people. I mean, because if they're... If if their clients are sharing with them this information, I would hope that the class facilitator would have the knowledge and the tools to kind of guide this person to not to manage their triggering res- response when the client does t- does tell them these stories. I hope the number one lesson is setting boundaries. Yeah, not making. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not making. Your monkey, 
is not my circus, not my circus, not my monkey. However, please confide in somebody. And if you need to confide in me, this is a safe space. Please talk to me. Talk to somebody. If I'm the only person you can talk to, please feel free to talk to me. I, it, go, it, it goes no further than right here. I, I would hope that that would be, but I'm not going to take it out that door and have nightmares. Do, do you understand? Mm-hmm. I hope that the, le- the first lesson is boundaries. Right. And then if I have been abused myself, how much do I share? How much do I burden that other person? Right. With my own experience. Because there's healthy boundaries, there's a healthy sharing, and then there's just burdening. So I think that that, I, I would hope that that would be part of that one-hour class, is, hey, you, you, don't, you don't take on someone else's burden. Right. But you do create a safe space. So I think that in, in a one-hour, there's not a whole lot that you're going to learn that you probably don't already know. I think one hour may not be enough to, to adequately prepare these people. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point too. It's a good idea in concept, but one hour? And how how long is that one hour versus the, the span of a license? Is it a one mm-hmm. credit hour? If it's a credit hour... Credit hours can vary in length though. Exactly. Oh, yeah. If it's a credit hour... That may be that that's a whole nother story because then you're getting adequately the information you need. And it could be a home study situation where, hey, here's a workbook. Just work through this at your own pace and just learn the information. And then there'll be a little quiz where here's a hypothetical situation. How would you handle it? Just getting you thinking. I think that would be way more effective than just a one-hour lecture. Because yeah. I don't see how one hour is enough, like you said. You're either going to be, it's either going to be glossed over, and then what's the point? Yeah. Or, and, and then you are, if you are a victim of domestic violence, all you are is reliving your trauma, and then you don't have any self-care afterwards. So what? Uh, Where's the value in the class? Where's the value <laughs> right. in the class? Exactly. That's my concern. That's my concern. Other, other than keeping your livelihood. Other than being forced <laughs> to do it so that to, you can keep your right. li- livelihood. And as both of you said, if there's a way to incentivize it where you can get that little plus mark on your, your license, maybe put in some sort of performance bonus for completing the class. And, and seeing yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe the state gives you a little stipend. For, hey, you did this, you know, you're part counselor now. Because you are. You're operating kind of as a counselor now. You're you're qualified to kind of do that. To a, to a point. Not... That's a, not, that's a reach. Yeah, not, that's a real reach. To, to only be that you've, you have that... You have a certain qualification. But then you have to also be willing to report... You have to be willing to give those resources. You have to be willing to, you know, you have to be willing to kind of do that part of it too. Well, again, that's going to require more than a one hour long You can't class. do it in an hour. Yeah. You can't do it in an hour. I just don't see how it can be done in an hour. 
But I don't know what's presented in that hour. I don't know what's presented in that hour. Is it just a bunch of paper? There's no way to tell that uh, how it's going, how that class will even be presented locally. We're right. lo- only looking at the Illinois model, right? And so, we don't know right. what's presented in that hour, right? In Illinois, and what what's the domestic violence rate in Illinois? Maybe it's very low. Depends on probably the demographics of where you're living, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Which Illinois is a very unique uh, demographic situation (laughs) because it's like you know it's like socially it's like chicago very much Mm -hmm. very much liberal i mean it's like chicago and then there's the rest of illinois well the other (laughs) thing is evidently they have enough of a problem that it's being addressed right but where is where where where, to what degree and we don't know we don't have that information so it's just just like it's just something I would like to know. And let's extrapolate it a little further. If if this is mainly something that's going to be in, you know, the Chicagoland area, okay, that's one thing. But yeah. do you want to put that same requirement on somebody who does their who practices their trade in Rockford, for example? Mm-hmm. Right. It would be like Denver somebody- versus let's say uh Durango. Or Yes. I, I would say that's a very accurate comparison. Who has all of their clients out of their church versus somebody who does all of their clients in a shopping center and does walk-ins. You're going to get a whole different demographic. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's going to be just as diverse as it will be in its similarity. Possibly. Possibly, depending upon what town you're in, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I, I'll give you that. But it's just, it's, it's just, there's too much, there's too much unknown. Mm-hmm. Just to say an hour long class, and have that be okay for everybody, right? And have that cover everything, because domestic violence also is more than just physical; it's psychological. It's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual abuse. It's just so much. And how could you cover it in one hour? It's people being gaslighted. It's people who, just uh, there's just so much. And you can't cover it in an hour. You, you'd have to take a psychology class. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd to, have to, you'd have, an, to, you'd have a, to get a psych degree. You'd have to get a psych degree to even cover what is it, what is abuse, domestic violence. I mean, I, I mean, to you even talk- cover the definition of it. You can't, you can't do it in an hour. Oh, I know. I mean, you, you have, you, you have can. people that are get, that are going through like their, uh, their internship out, you know, getting their, their, uh, credit, quote unquote, unquote, credit hours for their internship is because, I mean, they just, they just, they're just now, um, or, or they're gra- they just graduated, or they're graduating um, from a usually uh, like a like a master's degree program because you can't do anything with a bachelor's degree in psychology. I mean, you need at least a master's in order to do anything with it. And then, and then you know, you're doing your uh, clinical hours a little bit. I mean, talking with them. I mean, a lot of them have trouble recognizing a lot of the more subtle. Uh, signs very, of emotionally abused. So, very, I mean, very, very manipulative people. And, oh, yeah. And you get somebody who's a little um, mentally ill, 
Um, and I put that in quotes because most of us are mentally ill. Some of us recognize it. Some mm-hmm. of us don't. And it manifests differently. And it manifests oh, yeah. differently for every person. So uh, you get somebody who's who preys on whatever mental illness they're dealing with. And yeah, you you, you can't do it in an hour. Just how can oh, you do it in an hour? I well, don't get it. Yeah, I don't exactly. Get it. What what legal liabilities? What new legal liabilities are these hairdressers have having to live up to with only a one hour long class? And I don't blame. You know? I don't believe. I, I don't. I don't blame them for going. Wait, I. Why? A lot of them are going. What's the point? And a lot of them are saying. I've been abused. I don't need a class to tell me the signs because I <laughs> right. lived it. I could teach that class. What do what, what you know? <laughs> so, but they're trying to do it in Colorado now. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So I just wanted to point that out. So if you're, if you're a cosmetologist or a hairdresser, uh, coming right up. <laughs> so get ready. Well, that, well, we don't, you know. Hopefully Again, it won't go is, anywhere. Yeah. Hopefully it won't go anywhere. But if you see it, um, stand up and fight it. Because if that's if that's what if that, you believe, if that's what you, you know. believe in, and if you're okay with it, then don't do anything. But well, something like this will have to pass through legislature. Yeah. And oh yeah. It'll, and, and I think it, Colorado. <clears throat> I think Colorado. We're we're pretty liberal, but we're also we also Coloradans. We see bullshit when we see bullshit. Do we? <laughs> Well, good point, Matthew. Good point. Okay, good point. Good point. But we also, I, I think that we are pretty. I'm glad I live in Colorado, and not any other state. Let's put it that way. I, I would rather live here than any other place, because, for the most part, I think that we do. We do our homework, for the most part. Although, the last time I voted, I saw some bullshit about having a team for when the aliens come. I don't know what the hell that was about. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, we, we can be nutty too. But I'm just saying, you know, I, yeah. And then, <laughs> but, you know, so we're not always there. But, you know, I, I think that. Colorado is one of the better states to live in. Let's just put it that way. We are definitely one of the more forward-thinking places to live yes, yes. compared to other areas in in the country. We do have we we do make a lot of a lot of missteps. Mm-hmm. Um, we've made some blunders. We've made some fantastic progress. Uh, look no further than some recent legislation, which has has uh, which could have been. Essentially, a a, de- a defense in something that's been going on for seven years at the federal level. We had the opportunity to pass Colorado Cares, which would have been mm-hmm. statewide yeah. statewide yep. healthcare. Yep, it died. In it, it died horribly, colossally. Yeah. On the on the flip side of that, we keep raising our taxes on tobacco. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, and, and of course, the the green economy it speaks for itself, right? So, we have ain't that the truth. We've had some successes. We've had we've had some we've had some blunders, but no more blunders than and successes in most other states. Right, right. We we had to, we we Fair followed enough. Oregon in in the uh, 
in the uh, end of life. Uh, mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill that yep. was passed last year. And that had been on the Oregon's books for over 20 years. Yep. They, you know, they've, you know, stick tap to Oregon for. Yeah, no kidding. For uh, kind of being the, the pine, you know, the, if you will, the trailblazer <laughs> on that one. But there, legis- legislation, whether it's this, this thing with, uh, the cosmetologists or whatever. If you don't like the uh, the bills, mobilize and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like that with anything. Right. If there's something that you support, mobilize and support it. Support it, defend it, or right. try to change it. Right. Uh, for for this, I I would I would venture you know just to put my you know my amateur thinking cap on that. Something like this, depending on, do we know where it's coming from? Who's sponsoring this? No, we. It'd be pretty easy to find out, though. I think that we could. In fact, Ryan's looking at it right now as we speak. We could well, probably I'm find it. Searching. Out. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so while, while while Ryan's checking it out, I, the reason I asked that question is because depending on where it's coming from, who is sponsoring it, mm-hmm. depending on if it's coming from a. Uh, uh, if it's coming from a, uh, a a Democratic sponsor, or if it's coming from a Republican sponsor, or maybe somebody who's uh, somewhere in between, mm-hmm. or it could be a coalition of both parties, where there's it's a woman, and I want to say, you know, I don't know what party she is, but I know it's a woman's, uh, it's a woman uh, Congress, uh, it's a woman senator. So our 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 state our, our state uh, legislature is. Is divided in half essentially because we have the Democrats controlling one half, mm-hmm. the Republicans control the other, and we have a Democratic governor. Mm-hmm. So, if this thing gets out of committee, it's going to have to go to the House and get reviewed. And if it survives the House, it's going to go to the course to the Senate, and it's going to either go back and forth, or something's going to happen. It's either going to pass, or it's going to get vetoed. If it gets ve- if it's vetoed, okay, ball game. It's over. If it goes to the governor's desk, he may not sign it. And again, ball game over. It is Representative Eddie Hutton or Eddie Hutton, uh, Democrat from Boulder. Okay, so if it's coming from Boulder, uh, the, there's anyway there, there's really no way to know where this could go. Mm-hmm. And if it makes it out of committee, uh, we we might see more exposure and more opinion on it. But if it's still in committee, it could just easily die there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. A lot of things that are discussed in committee do they die there? Yeah, right now it's just a right. proposal. Right. Yeah, she's just proposing it. Um, but she did say, yeah, that Illinois has done it, and and then somebody and and like I said, um, if you go on next, next, um, there is a story. I think that um, was the article you just had up. Yeah, no, but there's a Coloradan. Yeah, oh, okay. and then if, but if you go on next uh, with Kyle, I cannot think of his last Kyle name. Kyle Clark, I think, is who yeah. you're referring to. Yeah, next with Kyle Clark, um, he's got a story um, with the cosmopolitan cosmopolitist who is uh, she's she's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. She's the one who's uh, she's she's the first who's come out saying, "Don't make me relive my abuse." Right. And, um, so, and she was fighting, you could tell she was fighting a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Um, and as somebody who has been a victim of domestic violence and who has 
PTSD. I can tell you my heart went out to her immediately. I could see it from her point of view. But I still think it's a good idea, but I'm with you. An hour isn't long enough. Just an hour. What can you accomplish in an hour? There are, I don't get it. There's yeah. too many... There's too many unknowns. There's too many unknowns, and there are so many potential pitfalls with this. You could be putting too many people at risk, further at risk, and putting people who weren't at risk before at risk. Right. Well, and then they're going to... I can see it. I can see it. I can see hairdressers thinking, well, I've taken this class, so I see the signs, and I think I'm all that, and now I can counsel I can see that. Yeah, I can that. see thinking, yeah. well, I'm qualified now to act as a counselor when they need professional assistance. It's not your job to be a therapist. It's not your job to be police officer. It's not your job to take matters into your own hands. It's not your job to even uh, approach somebody who you believe is being abused. They need to come to you. Mm-hmm. And again, for all of those, all of those, why have the class? Exactly. Because they're going to come to you anyway. And you're going to handle it to the best of your ability. You know why? Because you have compassion and you are going to act as a compassionate human being. And you are going to, you are going to instinctively know what to do without that damn class. Will we? You're going to know <laughs> well, as much. I hope so. You're going to know as much with or without the class, in my opinion. Because you're not going to get enough information in the class. And you're going to know instinctively, in my opinion, as much to do when somebody comes to you and you see bruises or whatever, you're going to instinctively know as much as you would know whether you took a class or not. Well, like you just said, not all domestic violence is physical. Yeah. So if, and if I am that position, if I am that person, if I am that cosmetologist, how knowing whatever I cover in this class and then I have someone who comes up to me and says whatever they say to me, A, what is the best course of action to take? And two, how will will that knowledge from the class plus Mm -hmm. whatever story this person sharing with me, how does that impact my ability to do my job? How does that change your behavior? How does that change your behavior? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't change what you need to do other than you might you might be able to react a little differently or not because you're not going to get enough information on how to change your behavior in an hour right (laughs) you're just not not in an hour yeah, exactly. So, all right. I think we beat this subject to death. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah. There's anyway. two subjects that right. we've be- beaten like a dead horse. <laughs> there, there, there really is no no concrete, definitive uh, catch-all for this. There's no one. one I think the idea all. is good. I think the idea is well intended, but it's mm-hmm. not there. T- the way it's being it needs carried to be flushed out through a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. 
I think need, needs needs to be brushed brushed through with the with the comb, comb a little bit more because right because right now we're in the middle middle of that scene on Spaceballs where he's like fine we found shit <laughs> don't you yeah. think we're being too literal <laughs> <laughs> now we still need to run a fine tooth comb through <laughs> more of the desert the president said comb the desert so we're combing the desert <laughs> alrighty then anyway <laughs> okay yeah once once uh, Matthew and I de- devolve in, into re- reciting scenes from old 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 uh, ner- nerdy mo- movies it, it's it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Too many nerds. You never have too many nerds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, I, I do. Um, so, Matthew, I believe you had a was uh, any shout outs you wanted to make. Yes, thank you for reminding me. I do want to give a stick tap and a shout out to the uh, University of Denver Pioneers for their participation and selection to the Frozen Four coming up this Thursday. Good luck, Pioneers, and bring home a championship. Absolutely. And I do thank you for listening. Um, we can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. All of those links and any other ways to reach us can be found on our contact page at hovpodcast.net. 